All right, good to see you guys here today. Thank you, Trish, for uh, letting us sing about Jesus, the one who died on a cross for our sins. We need to praise him daily. Good to be here today. I hope you are thinking the same thing. Before we get started, let's have a word of prayer. I'm going to ask, uh, if he would, Rick Yon, if he would lead us in prayer, please, sir. This has nothing to do with the message, but I read this week on Facebook that uh, uh, in 2017, 24% of the people that they polled believe that God, this Bible, God's Word, was uh, true, that it was inspired by God, that it was the inerrant Word of God, and that you could believe everything in this Bible. In 2022, they did the same poll to some people, and they said only 20% of the people believed that God's holy word, his scripture, the one that he gave us, inspired by him, is really the the word of God, and that 80% of the people that think this believe that this is nothing more than a book of fables, a book of myths, a book of tales. That's the world that we live in. Eighty percent do not believe this is God's inerrant word. They said even those who are professed to be born-again Christians, only 44% said this is God's word. That is disheartening it, to say the least. Why do I want you to read his word? (laughs) Because it is God's love letter to us. This has been inspired, written by man's hand inspired by holy god believe it trust in it if you can't believe that this has been inspired by god that this is god's holy word why would you ever believe that jesus died on a cross for your sins you probably would not so just a a bit of an advertisement there that this really is god's word to us holy inspired trusted that you can take every word in this in his word and you can stand on every word that he's given to us and we will stand by that as long as I'm your pastor here this is God's word God's love letter to us that's just a little bit of an advertisement there we'll we'll get on to the message now <laughs> that just it just struck me as a wow to say the least the title of the message is decisions decisions Life is full of choices, is it not? We make choices every day, sometimes hundreds of choices every day, hundreds of decisions. And we know those decisions that we make maybe affect our day, maybe will affect our week, our month, our year, our life. But there's sometimes we make a decision that will affect our eternity. That's how important decisions are. We must choose wisely when we make decisions. I want to tell you that right off the bat. 
I was reading about one of Indiana Jones's movie movies that he made, and 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 it was uh, the one as he is searching for the Holy Grail, Indiana Jones. And the movie, I guess, went on and, and talked about that that Indiana Jones and his team were looking for the Holy Grail, the cup of that Jesus drank from. And and if you've seen the movie, it it he goes through a whole bunch of different tests that he has to pass and different trials that he had to go through and finally he finds himself in in a specific room where the where where the cup is and and the only problem is his enemies his sworn enemies are also in the same same room and there's some more tests that he has to has to overcome and and the the guardian knight who is in that room uh, speaks to both groups speaks to indiana jones and the, and his enemies there and he says, uh, uh, be careful how you, what you choose. He said, because if you choose the wrong cup, he said, there's consequences with that. And he said, if you choose the wrong cup, the consequences are you will die. And if you choose the right cup, the Holy Grail cup, if you would, you will have life. And he tells them, choose wisely. Today's message is, I want you to choose wisely. Okay, in Matthew 7, I've got two verses I want to read to you, starting in verses 13 and 14. And they go like this, and you've heard, you've heard uh, this, uh, this parable, but it's one I think that we need to look at today. And in verse 13, he says, uh, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. You see, it's serious business now. When we think about what road of life that we want to be on. It is extremely serious because you see there's consequences for how we choose to live our life. You see, God is a merciful God. God is himself is a gentleman. And if we choose to live a life that rejects him during this life, he will honor that, if you will, and he will allow you to reject him now and reject him forever. He will never force himself upon an individual. He also gives us the opportunity to accept him to live for Him and to die for Him. And, and, and if we do that, He will also honor that decision that we made, that choice that we made. Because if we choose to live for Him and accept Him as Lord and Savior, He will honor that and He will allow us to live in heaven forever and forever. It is important what choice we make. It is important what gate we enter in. It's important what road we go on. It's important what destination that we're going to seek. And God says, I will allow you, every one of you, to make your own decision. And to that I would say, choose wisely, my friend, because there's consequences on what you choose and how you choose to live. You will notice there it talks about uh, it talks about two gates, a broad gate and a narrow gate. 
And I think in your mind, and in my mind too, I think as I've read through that, it, it seems like that, that mankind is standing in front of two gates. Kind of like, let's make a deal. And we get to choose one gate, one deal, one door, and maybe we choose right. Or maybe we don't choose right, but that is not what this parable is talking about. He says, yes, there are two gates that, that man will get to choose from. But man is only standing in front of one gate. Man is only standing in front of a very wide gate because it says in there in verse 14 that the other gate, who are few that go into it, you've got to find that gate. You've got to search for it, you've got to look for it, and you've got to find it. So, so this wide gate is, is, is where what mankind is standing in front of. The wide gate is so close to mankind that all you have to do is step in to the wide gate. Take a step and you are in the wild gate. And the wide gate represents a world of worldliness. He says that gate is, is wide. There's nothing that will stop you from stepping into this wide gate of worldly living. There is no restrictions, if you would. There is no admission charge to step into the wide gate of worldliness. There is no requirement All you have to do is take a step into this gate, and you are in the wild gate. There are many people in this wide gate. The Bible says uh, this wide gate looks like it would be a lot of fun. There's a lot of activities in this wide gate, a lot of fun things to do. And most people, as they step into the wide gate of worldly living, it just seems this is where I need to be. This is where life is. I see all these people there. I see all this activity there. It looks like a lot of fun there. I'm going to step through this wild gate, and I want to be participating in what goes on inside of this wide gate of worldly living. Most of the people that step through this worldly gate don't even know that there's probably another gate out there. They might not even know that there is a narrow gate that leads to life, and it's the Christian life. And they might not even know it. Or they might know it, but they really just don't seem to care. You see, people in today's world, they, they really don't care that there maybe is another choice to make, that there's another option. And they just don't care, and they just want to live their life, and they see their life as, as, as they step through this wide gate of worldly living that... Maybe this is where it should be. Maybe this is where life is. I don't know. Everybody's here. Seems to be a lot of fun. I'm going to step through there and just see what my life will be like. You know, the, that gate is very wide. It swings open and never closes for people. The Bible gives us some descriptions about, about those kinds of people that step into the wide gate of living for the world, if you would. It, it gives us some descriptions of, of what it's going to be like if for those who, who uh, want to live according to the standards of the world. When we find that in, in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. And it gives us a, a description of worldly living as we have stepped in this wide gate. And it's kind of difficult as we, as we look at this list. You see, the, the Apostle Paul calls them the, this the deeds of the flesh. 
worldly living, going accor- living according what the, what the world says is the way that we should live. And he gives us a list of characteristics of worldly living. And the very first one we see there is what? It is immorality. It is immorality. It is the, the uh, approval of adultery. It is the approval of fornication. It is the approval of living together without marriage. It is doing whatever we want to do, living in, in a moral life, the Bible says. And we see more and more of that today, do we not? People just kind of doing their own thing. If they feel good, we'll live together. We'll have so many sexual partners that we can't even keep track of them. And they, and they live accordingly. And they live a very immoral life. The next one says it's impurity or it's not, not a pure form of life. It is sensuality where prostitution and pornography just kind of just rule the day. We see that, do we not? We see idolatry. It lists idolatry there. Oh, my goodness. You know what idolatry is? Idolatry is anything, anything that replaces God as your number one priority in life. It's not so much worshiping some little statue. It is anything that we put in front of God as being a priority. Hmm, what could that be? Well, it could be a job that is more important than our relationship with God. It could be even our family is more important than our relationship to God. It could be our kids. It could be our grandkids' relationship with God. It could be pleasure and fun as we put in front of of our relationship with Jesus. It could be sports if we want to make that. It could be sports that we put in front of our relationship with God. I was talking to I was talking to Van Leonard yesterday. He'd come by and I was visiting with him and he was talking about about uh, going to False Creek tomorrow. And he said, Yeah I've got about uh, I've got about twenty nine kids that are going to False Creek. But he says, you know when when the summer started, I was told that you would never see these kids in church on Sundays until False Creek. He said, they told him, he said, you know, we've got baseball that we play, we've got basketball that we play in the summer, and we travel all over these places, and we're playing in all these different kind of towns, and we're doing all this over here and over there, and Sundays we just can't make it to church on Sundays because we're playing baseball and playing basketball. And I'm thinking, hmm, could that be an idol in their lives? Could that be something that parents are passing down that says, you know, church is just not important anymore. That, that, that church and coming to worship and coming for fellowship and trying to encourage people in the Word just is not that big of a deal anymore. And we're going to take the summer off and do all the things that I want to do and all that they want to do. And then when school starts, I'll start coming back to church. You see, to me, that is an idol. Sports is an idol because they have put that in front of a relationship with God. And we pass that legacy down to our kids that tells them it is not important to be in the Word. The Bible says that is, that is deeds of the flesh. That is a picture of living living in a worldly world. We see the next one there, sorcery or witchcraft, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, decisions, factions. It's a life that says, I don't mind 
confrontation. I don't mind this, uh, arguing with people. I don't mind getting angry at people. But I sure I'm not going to extend grace to anybody. I'm sure not going to extend forgiveness to anybody. I'm not going to extend love to anybody. If I think I'm right, I'm right no matter what. And I don't care what you think. And we divide people and we split people and we don't try to bring people together. That is a deed of the flesh. That is worldly living when we do that. When we don't care what people think. We don't want to carry their burdens. We don't want to forgive them or give them grace. And the Bible says that's deeds of the flesh. That's living in the world. That should not ever happen. The next one says envying, keeping up with the Joneses. Sometimes we think we've got to have bigger and better and brighter and shinier. That's envy of what somebody else has. That is a deed of the flesh. That's living in the world. Drunkenness, carousing, you know what that is. And things like these, that verse says, of which I forewarn you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's not my words. That's coming from God's word. Those who practice those things, those things that we do on a continuing basis, if we do those kinds of things on a continuing basis and we practice those things and we live that way and that is what we think is correct, God's Word says what? He says you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, when people live in sin, when people do the deeds of the flesh, if you have been truly born again, you will have a conviction from the Holy Spirit that says, what you are doing is not right. The Bible promises that. But if there is no conviction in the life of a person, if they've, if they've walked through the wide road of worldly living and they are doing those kind of things on a continual basis and there's no conviction in the heart of a person, you really must look at your salvation experience. Have you truly ever been saved? We'll talk more about that later. There's another gate that we see here, and it is the narrow gate. It is a really narrow gate. The Bible says you've got to look for this gate. You've got to search for it and look for it, and you've got to try to find this gate. And when you find this gate, the Bible tells us that you turn from living like the crowd. You turn from doing those things that that the world is doing. You turn from those things. The Bible talks about it when, when you have entered into the narrow gate of Christian living, you will get rid of all those things. Apostle Paul says, it is like taking off the old self of sinfulness, taking off those clothes that are so sinful in your life, and you discard those clothes of the old self of sinfulness, and you put on the new clothes of righteousness. That's what it means to walk through the narrow gate. The Bible says also when you find this narrow gate of Christianity, and you want to walk through this, you need to do it immediately when you find it. Don't put it off until tomorrow. The Bible says salvation is today and not tomorrow. We put off wanting to to be born again. We put it off for a later date. And we want to, we will eventually, we think, we'll step through that narrow gate of, of salvation and Christianity. But we don't do it today. And we don't do it tomorrow. We don't do it the next day. The Bible says do it today because today you might not have another day. How do we enter through the narrow gate what do we have to do there there are some requirements if you would the narrow gate of christian living i think the first thing that we need to understand is that we 
are a sinner in need of a Savior. I think that point alone keeps most people from ever becoming a Christian. Being able to say and to understand that they are a sinner and they are in need of a Savior. People today just don't want to go there. I know back in the 1980s when I was teaching school, um, there was this philosophy that that came up that uh, uh, don't ever correct those kids. You don't want to ruin their little psyche. You don't want to break their self-confidence. You don't ever want to hold people accountable. Just let them kind of just do their own thing, if you would. Because if you, if you hold them accountable or if you tell them no, that, that you're going to ruin their self-confidence. And, and they'll never be able to recover from that. And what we have found from the 80s as, as those people that have grown up that, that received a medal for just participating... Because if we don't give them a medal and they played on a team and you've never won anything, they'll feel so bad and we just got to lift them up and help their confidence. And we've raised a generation of people that are like that, that there is no accountability in their life. And now they are becoming adults and now they are raising their kids. And we see on TV that there's no right or wrong in society anymore. People are just going to do their own thing. If they can't have their french fries, we're going to tear up the place. You saw that on TV. You see, we, we've raised the people that says, says, no, I'm not a sinner. I'm still pretty good no matter how I want to live. I, uh, no, I'm not one of those kind of people. And we have generations of people now that said, I am, I'm, no, I'm not a sinner. And the, and the enemy has deceived us, has he not? He's deceived us and deceived our kids and deceived our future generations. Because you see, if you cannot understand that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, you will never accept Christ as Lord and Savior. You don't see the need in it. And the devil has deceived us for all these many years now and makes it harder and harder. The first thing that we've got to do if we ever want to take a step into that narrow gate is to understand that we are a sinner and that we've fallen short of God's glory. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. The second thing that we must do to enter into the narrow gate is we must repent of our sins. We must repent of our sins. The word repent means that you are headed in one direction. And you're walking the worldly life. You're doing the things that the world tells you to do. But repentance says, no, I'm going to stop doing those things. I'm, not stop, I'm going to stop the crowd pleasing and I'm going to turn and go the other direction. I'm going to live a different life. I'm going to repent of that life. And I'm going to move towards this life of the narrow gate of Christianity. The Bible says in, in Luke 13, 3, I tell you, unless a man repents, you will all likewise perish. Repentance is an important thing in the eyes of Jesus. Third thing that we must do, we must trust Jesus to save us. There's no other salvation out there except through Jesus. Is that right? That is correct. Our good works will not save us. Our good deeds will not save us. Our money will not save us. Church attendance will not save us. Helping little ladies across the street will not save us. None of that will save us. Salvation only comes through who? Jesus Christ. And He will save us 
for this lifetime, and He will save us for eternity. Romans 10, 9 says, If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead, what does it say? You shall be saved. You see, we've got to put our trust in Jesus. John 14, 6 says this, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is the only, I don't care what Oprah says, Jesus is the only way to heaven. If you want to walk through that narrow gate, take that step into the narrow gate, you must trust Jesus for your salvation now and for an eternity. And the fourth thing I think we must do before we enter that gate, you must be born again. You must be born again. John 3, 3 says it this way. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, the, the wide gate says, y'all come. Admission is free. The narrow gate is narrow for a reason. Only a few will find the narrow gate. Choose wisely, my friend, what gate that you will choose. You see, we also get a description in that same chapter of Galatians about what, what I, I, the life of a person that enters into the narrow gate. And it is so much different than that last list that I read. We find out what, what, it, what it looks like in, in Ephesians five twenty two through 24. And it says, this, And the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. You step through that narrow gate. That's what your life now will look like. A little different than that other list, isn't it? Who would not want to have a list that looks like that? Verse 24 says this. Now those who belong to Christ, who have stepped into the narrow gate, have crucified the flesh with his passions and with his desires. Choose carefully, my friend, what gate you want to step into. The Bible also talks about two roads, a wide road and a narrow road. The broad road is living the worldly life. Has very few stop signs on it. Uh, has very few restrictions. It's a life that says, I, wanna, I can live my life however I want to live it. I get to choose. I want to do what I want to do. I want, if I want to do crazy things, I can do crazy things. It's a life with no limits, it says. It's a life that says, it's my life and it's my choice. I get to choose what I want to do. I get to live however I want to. And you can't, you can't stop me. It's a life that says, I want nothing to do with God. Wow. Psalm 14.1 says, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. It's a life that says, I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want any restrictions. I don't want to have to read anything. I don't want to have to be worried about how, what I'm doing. I want to have a clear conscience in how I live. And if I give it my life to God, then that won't happen. So I'm going to do whatever I want to do. They make no mention of God in their lives. Maybe they've heard about God. Yeah, they probably have. You know, probably VBS or Sunday school when they was a kid. Maybe somebody took them. Maybe they heard it on the radio or something about God. But you see, the people that live through this wide road, they don't care. <laughs> they just don't care. They don't care 
that Jesus died on a cross for them. They don't care that God loves them because that interferes with the way they live. And the Bible says that, that, that broad road, that wide road, leads uh, to no good. Proverbs 2.15 says, Whose paths are crooked and, who's, and who are devious in their ways. Hmm. People that walk through the wide road. I like the next verse, Proverbs 16.25. And it says this, For there, there is a way which seems right unto man, worldly living, but in the end leads to death and leads to destruction. You see, that's when you, when you walk through that wide gate and you choose that for life. And you choose the broad road of living however you want to. The Bible says, yeah, it'll seem right to you. But the end is death and the end is destruction. The narrow gate is the road of a Christian, the Bible talks about. It is not an easy road. Sometimes being a Christian is difficult. It can be hard. Sometimes it seems like the road of Christianity is, is not paved. That there's a lot of potholes in the road of Christianity, is it not? There are temptations where the, where the enemy tries to knock us off the, 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 the narrow road that we're walking to get rid of us, to, ha- to ruin our testimony. And life can be hard at that time as a Christian, but the Christian life, the narrow road, requires a commitment, does it not? When you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you made a commitment to Him. I will follow you, Lord, wherever you want to take me. If you want to take me to the mountains, I'll go with you. If you want to take me in the valleys of life, I'll go with you. If it costs me something, a lot in my life, I don't care, I'm going to do it. It takes a commitment, does it not? It takes a discipline to live the Christian life. It takes discipline to want to read this every day, to pray every day, to come to, come to church on Sundays every day. It takes a discipline to be able to witness and tell somebody the good news of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. It takes a discipline to be able to do that. It takes a self-control to be a, to be a born-again believer. Psalm 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth... And the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, God, my rock and my redeemer. See, we have to live a life that's self-controlled. And maybe my thoughts and my minds, I want them to be pleasing to the Lord. It is also about self-denial. The Christian life, the narrow road that we live on is about self-denial. And how do, we, how do you explain that? It's easy to explain that. You just go back to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Where he says, Father, if there's any other way that we need to do this, let's do it. But if not, if not, your will, Father, and not mine. That's what self-denial is. It is, I want to live my life, your will, Father, and not my will, Father. Living the Christian life on the narrow road requires determination. It says that we might have to be suffering sometimes. Sometimes life will be hard. Sometimes persecution might come. The narrow road is never easy. It's difficult. But the narrow road also leads us to a point in our lives where it says, you know, you know God, I, I trust you, Lord. I hope you can get to the point in your life as you walk the Christian life that you can say, I, I, I honestly trust you, Lord. Lord, I don't understand what I'm going through right now. I don't understand the road I'm on right now. I don't know why it's so hard and so difficult. But Lord, I still trust you no matter what. 
I still trust you, Father, to provide and to be near and to hear my cry and to deal with that. Father, I I know, Father, that you are a perfect God. And I know, Father, you have a perfect plan for my life. I understand that and I trust that. And, Father, I understand that that since you are perfect and your plan is perfect, that your timing will always be perfect. Father, I, I trust you. And sometimes... Just that little point right there of I trust you is very difficult in the life of a Christian. I hope someday that every one of us in this room can get to the point where I say I trust you, God, no matter what. No matter what. Luke 9, 23 says it this way. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Father, I trust you for my life right now these 60, 70, 80 years. And I also trust you for the eternity that you have promised me through your son, Jesus Christ. My friends, I would urge you to choose wisely what road you get on in your life. Two gates, two roads. There's two destinations according to that scripture right there. The broad road tells us that it leads to death and destruction. The broad road, one of these days, will have an ending. Did you know that? One of these days, that broad road of of high living, doing your own thing, that will come to an end. And you will physically die. But worse than that, if you've been on the worldly road, living the high life, the Bible says you will do more than just die physically. It says you will die spiritually. And there's nothing worse For a person to die spiritually. Because you see, when a person dies spiritually, the Bible says he will be separated, he or she will be separated from holy God forever and forever in a place the Bible calls hell. Hell is fire and brimstone. Who wants that? Hell is torment. Hell is agony. Hell is darkness. Darkness so dark that you can't even see in front of your face. Just a quick note to just kind of lighten up that statement right there. When I was in Zimbabwe, I was, we were in a guest house and I was taking a shower. Electricity went off. I mean, it's pitch black. I can't see in front of me. I'm, I'm looking for the door and I can't find the door. And then I realized I don't need that door. I need my pants more than I need this door. <laughs> can't see I mean I can't see nothing I mean there's no light there's no window it is dark beyond dark so I find myself on my hands and knees I, I I know my pants are somewhere that way so I'm on my hands and knees reaching for them I finally I finally get to get my pants on and we get the door open I got some light but it was it was unbelievable dark I saw could see nothing I couldn't see the wall I couldn't see the shower I couldn't see the door or my pants Dark, And the Bible says that is a picture of what hell will be look like. Complete and utter darkness. It's a picture of loneliness. You won't be sitting, sitting around on Saturday night playing cards with the buddies and drinking beer. You won't be having a good time slapping each other on the back and saying, yeah, let's go do that. The Bible says hell is complete loneliness. You are there all by yourself. Wow, can you imagine? Darkness, loneliness. 
The Bible says, if you have an addiction here on this earth, you will have the same addiction in hell. If you're a drug addict, you'll still have that addiction. If you're an alcoholic, you'll still have that addiction. If you're a sex addict, you'll still have that addiction. But guess what? There is no remedy for that. Can you imagine having addiction forever and forever and never, ever able to get that satisfied? Whew. Who wants that? Those folks that live in the, in the wide road and the wide gate, that is their destination. And the sad thing about hell is there's no back door. There's no way to get out. Hell is for an eternity. Hebrews 9.27 says it this way, For as much as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, the great white throne judgment for them. Proverbs 11.19, He who is steadfast in righteousness will attain to life, and he who pursues evil will bring about his own death. Proverbs 15.9, The way of the wicked is abomination of the, to the Lord. Living in the worldly lifestyle is an abomination to the Lord. And that verse again that I gave you, Proverbs 16, 25. There's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end leads to death and destruction. Choose wisely, my friend, what choice that you make. The narrow road never ends. It's a destination for eternity. The narrow road leads to heaven. It leads to, a, to being able to see the most awesome sights that you've ever seen in your life. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says what? What no eye has seen, nor ears heard, nor heart can imagine what God has prepared for us in His glory. Can you imagine that? I mean, that's what the, where the narrow road leads to. It leads to heaven. That narrow road leads to absence from the body, presence with the Lord. That narrow road leads to where it says, I have gone and I'm coming back because I've built you a mansion that I want you to have. That's where that road leads. It leads to a mansion in heaven that Jesus has been building for us since the beginning of time. That road leads to being in the very presence of Jesus forever. The one who died on the cross, who shed his blood, had his body beaten. We get to be with him, rub shoulders with him. Hey, how you doing, Jesus? You see, that's where the narrow road leads. The narrow road leads to life. The narrow road leads to life now. And the narrow road leads to life for an eternity. I would... I would encourage you, ladies and gentlemen, to choose widely the destination that you choose to pick. The Bible talks about there is a wise man and there are unwise men. The Bible says wise men choose wisely. Wise men build their foundations of their life on Jesus. And when the storms of life come, that foundation will not be moved. But the wise man who chooses, chooses the broad road of life, the, li- the worldly life, the high life, if you would. The Bible says he's an unwise man because he builds his life not on the foundation of faith, but he builds his life on the sands of selfishness. And when the storms of life come, it says that man's house falls because he's not built it on the foundation of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I urge you to choose to choose wisely. One other point I want you to get, and then I'll be done. You can't live in both worlds. You can't enter 
the wide road and the wide gate and also live according to the narrow gate and the narrow road. It's impossible to live in both worlds. And sometimes I think as Christians, we, we tend to do that sometimes. But you know, Matthew twelve thirty says it this way. <laughs> if you're not for me, Jesus says, you're against me. <laughs> that that kind of cuts out the middle ground, doesn't it? That kind of cuts out straddling in both, both roads, the narrow and the, and the... How do you know if you're on the narrow road? How do you know if you've you stepped through the narrow gate? How do you know that you're, the road that you're living today is leading to life now and for an eternity? I mean, we've got to know how we've got to do that. Well, let me tell you how you can know. Just one way that you can know is that when you got saved, when you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, You became a new creation. The old life is gone. Behold, the new life has come. You have had a change of heart. Did you know that when you got saved? And if you've had a change of heart when you got saved, you're on that narrow road. You've walked through that narrow gate and your life is heading towards heaven one of these days. But because you see, when you got saved, he gave every one of us who got saved a new plan in life. He gave us a new, a new plan to live. And that, is, that was following his word here. He gave us a new purpose in life. To love God with all of our heart and our soul and mind. And the second thing is to love others just like that. He gave us a new priority in life. Okay? When we got saved, you got a new priority. And what is that? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all this stuff will come to you. You make God number one in your life. That relationship, that's number one. That's your priority. And he's gave you a new passion. He gave you a new passion. That is a passion to love God and to love others. You see, that is a change of heart. That is a person who was at one time living in the wide road of worldly living who decided to get off that road and accept Christ and repent of their sins and, and step through that narrow gate, living on that narrow road that sometimes is not fun, but we know God is there with us. You can know what road you're on because if you've been born again, God has changed you from the inside out. And you pursue the things that he wants you to pursue and not the things that you want to pursue. If you believe you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and yet there's been no change in your heart. I say this with all love that I can get. If there's been no change, you're still walking the broad road. You're living a worldly life no matter what you might think. You have have been changed when you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. And if I don't tell you that, I don't love you. Because that's the truth. Because that's what the Bible says. If there's been no change in your life after you accepted Christ, you need to start doing business with the Lord. Tricia, as we begin our time, you need to think about that. You can, you can live your life, give 70, 80 years to living like the world wants you to live. And, and you really might be happy. I'm not going to say it's not. I mean, sin is happy for a season. But the Bible says that one day will end. That road will end. And you will die physically and you'll die spiritually. Or you can choose the narrow road with a narrow gate that leads to life. 
Life now and life for today. Who would not want that? <laughs> Who would not want to live that life? A life of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Who would not want to live that way? As we bow our heads and close our eyes, we do business with the Lord in our invitation time. I'm going to ask you to just ask the Lord, what road am I on? What gate have I stepped through? I want to choose life and not death. Do business with the Lord right now. The altars are open if you want to come. You can come talk to me if you want to. Choose wisely, my friend. Choose wisely.